And welcome into another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me, your athletic beat writer. He set his clock forward last night, but he lives in the moment. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? Doing all right. Back down in sunny Florida. It's actually a little bit cold this morning, but spring training, real baseball. Who would have thought? I'd given up on it last week. We were. I was pushing it back until April. Things happen fast. Spring training has begun. We're going to have a 162-game season. This is awesome. Life is good, Cody. We made it. That's, that's another thing I wanted to say. We <laughs> made it. We kept doing weekly episodes, which, you know, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back too much, but, like, you know, when, like, the content was just rolling in for us. <laughs> you know, we missed one for Christmas, and uh, and that's it. We kept moving forward because we enjoy doing this, and we appreciate everybody who's subscribed, given us reviews, follow us on Twitter. He's at Cody Stavenhagen. I'm at Kieran underscore Steckley. Our pod page is at Turn Corner Pod. It did happen pretty quickly, though. So for such a long, drawn-out process... And many teases, mind you. It all of a sudden Thursday, it's like, oh, it's like, is this this is gonna happen? Like, what 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 is happening right now? Are we real here? Jeff Passan is kicked off Twitter, uh, or because he's hacked, or you know, whatever. In the midst of all of this, trying to piece together like different national guys, and you know, do we trust him with what he's saying? Is this guy accurate? Like, it was it was a tough deal during the week. Actually, I had texted you, and I was like. Are the national guys kind of keeping you guys in the loop? He's like, man, they're too busy to do that. I was like, man, like, so no one knows anything. You're not allowed to talk to anybody on the Tigers. Nobody knows anything. Then all of a sudden it drops. Passing comes in <laughs> right on time to say that we're going to have baseball. That was a fun moment. And it dominated the headlines. We got March Madness. You know, obviously NFL stuff is constant. NBA playoff pictures are getting a little bit more clear. Hockey's going on. Baseball dominated the day. That was awesome. So for you, your perspective as you're trying to, uh, you get the news and then you got to figure out, oh, I got to go to Florida. Like, you know, you know, what's kind of going through your head as all that's going on, given especially what I had said earlier about the teases. We had thought, uh, like, we had all kind of given up. What, what, was, what was that like for you? Well, first of all, here's my, here's my hot take. Was the demise of baseball greatly exaggerated? Ooh. It's like you said, baseball was in the news. This lockout, as much as it like wasn't great PR, supposedly, maybe this goes back to all PR is good PR because people were talking about baseball. That's right. And look, my Twitter feed is heavily skewed to have a lot of baseball writers and baseball fans on it, but I swear I'd never seen social media that excited about baseball, and I think it's carried over the past few days. Sent out some tweets uh, this morning from Tigers Spring Training. Tigers fan base, day one of spring training, a Sunday morning, uh, they've been kind of as involved and active as ever. Like, I think people are excited. I almost wonder if this lockout and the agony that came with it made people more excited for the season. There are going to be more eyes on baseball. I think it's a little bit more in the front of our mind now. Um, So I hope that holds up and I hope that proves to be true. For me, yeah, it was a scramble. I was seeing these tweets coming out, and I was like, are, like, are, are we supposed to believe Bob Nightingale this time? Like, And, and I, I was just jaded, and I was like, I got optimistic last time. It led to me stress-eating chilies. Like, I'm not I'm not doing that again. <laughs> I was like, yeah, right. Like, this isn't, like, 
whatever. I'm, you know, kind of got off Twitter and then soon enough it was for real, for real. And it was like, oh, got to book some travel, you know, uh, which was a nightmare <laughs> trying to book travel on short notice, especially when it includes uh, going from Florida to your wedding. Very selfish of you to get married, Kieran. It's really, really making things difficult. <laughs> Big time. Um, but it was also, you know, it was a lot of fun. Uh, feels like it was a whirlwind couple of days, but here we are back in almost like a normal rhythm of things, except then you look at the calendar and it's like, oh, spring training is condensed. We're like three plus weeks away from opening day. All the storylines are condensed. The ramp up is going to happen in a condensed time. I'm getting back in like the workflow, you know, I think, I think, uh, there's a little spring training for writers too. You get used to just transcribing all day and then writing. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I feel like I, I put in a lot of work on the off season, but it's a different grind when you are in the, in spring training and in the regular season. So here we are. I didn't think this day would come. Not this soon. Uh, what a relief. We have hopefully some actually somewhat substantial things to talk about for the rest of this podcast. Although, listeners, we are not forsaking College Chronicles. We know it has become the main draw. We have a great story at the end of this week's episode. Yeah, good tease there. Um, in regards to the CBA, I just kind of jotted down what I thought were the big points. And, and it should be noted for those that haven't read in depth on some of this stuff, especially what I'm going to talk about. Some of it is still getting to get worked out, and that's part of it. Um, so just kind of keep that in mind when, I, when, when I'm speaking vaguely. It's because... For some of this stuff, we don't necessarily have the concrete answer yet. So the big one is the competitive balance tax, luxury tax, soft cap, all these names. It's going to start out at $230 million on payroll, and by the end of a, a five-year period, it's going to get up to $244 million, if my research is correct. That's a sizable jump. It's not, it's not exactly what the players wanted, and the owners didn't want to move it at all. So... Uh, I would consider that a nice little uh, get for for the players. Uh, probably the one that affects the Tigers the most, we're going to have a 12-team playoff. And the way it's going to work, and if I'm wrong, Cody, please correct me, is you still have your three division winners, and then you're going to have three wildcard teams, and then the two, top, the two best records among the division winners will more or less have a bye into the uh, divisional series and the wild card series is going to consist of three game a three game series between the last place division winner I guess for lack of a better term and then uh, the worst wild card team and the other two teams will play a best of three and that's going to be in one location that's just going to be a three game series at the team with the better records uh, um, home stadium or whatever and no game 163 so no more haunting for uh tigers fans of a, of a certain age <laughs> and uh and no quote-unquote wild card game so those are probably the biggest things we can dive into that a little bit more if you want in a second another point of contention was a draft lottery which up until this point did not exist in baseball um players wanted eight owners Suggested three. They settled on six. Six is closer to eight than three, obviously. So I'm gonna say that that went into the it went into the players' favor, and that's one of the things about keeping um, 
keeping uh, competition alive and well, de-incentivize uh, tanking uh, for for teams. There is a service time adjustment slightly. Basically, you get a year of service time if you uh, place uh, in postseason awards and a uh, bonus pool for players who exceed their contracts, essentially. Um, $50 million per year, and it's not to get into the, you know, how it's going to get divided up, but it's going to be something. It's not It's not like Vlad Guerrero Jr. is all of a sudden going to be making $20 million, but it's going to give a little bit of a, a pay bump to guys that deserve it, and it's something that didn't exist before, so definitely a win for the players. The point being, Cody, I think this was a pretty good win for the players. I think the owners were able to get what they wanted with the 12-team playoff. They starved off some of the CBT stuff you know, from going, you know, sky high. But the players kind of got a lot of what they asked for. And one of the things that we had talked about several times during this lockout was my concern was I didn't want players to want to hit a home run here. Um, if they could, right. it's only five years. If they could settle on getting a double, um, I think that would be you know, great for them, great for us as, as people who consume baseball, work in baseball, work around baseball like you. And that's kind of how I interpreted, interpreted some of the details of the, uh, of the CBA. So how does the CBA read for you as longtime viewers will know? Pro Labor Podcast, to me, this is a win for labor. What say you? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a double for the players. And I don't know that it's a you know, double that bangs off the wall. I think it's like a, a single that gets stretched into a double, you know, some good hustle by the players. I think it's good for them, right? You get the CBT raised, you get some measures that hopefully can increase competition. Um, I like how they, they, for the most part, I think the service time issues are settled pretty well. Teams are going to get draft picks if you put top prospects on the opening day roster. And uh, top two, I believe, in Rookie of the Year voting get awarded a full year of service time. I think that's a pretty good compromise. And I think e- even for the game, I think this CBA put the framework in place for more positive changes. There's going to be the ability for the league to implement rule changes probably in 2023 with, what, 45 days notice. Um I think that's good. I think we saw the league shift, even though this is kind of pro-corporation, pro-business. You're seeing the league, you know, with the 12-team playoff with other things, going to be set up for probably expansion and perhaps realignment. Universal DH is good for the players. Uh, Surprised there was not an international draft. I was surprised the players were so against an international draft. But I think in another five years, there will be... uh, like that, that talk has gotten started. That can be a lot smoother talk in the next CBA. I, look, in five more years, there's still going to be disputes. There's still going to be battles. But I think a lot of things um, got right. I think things shifted a little bit in the players' favor. And I think the framework was created for things to continue to, uh, to move in that direction. It took a long time. The whole negotiating process was not good for the game, but I think, as the players long said, is the end result good for the game, for the future of the game? Um, I think it was. Maybe not perfect, but progress. And, uh, and yeah, I, you can't always hit a home run. I think at the end of the day, it's pretty good for the players. 
um, and, and solid win for baseball all around. Yeah, and we all get to kind of get on the other side of this with, with a big smile. Both sides can claim victories. Um, it should be noted also that you know the the, the was it the executive council is that what they mm-hmm. call the the players that are uh, heavily involved in this process? The Andrew Millers and Max Scherzers of the world uh, voted against this, and mm, wasn't that scary when that came out on Twitter? Yeah, I'll, <laughs> that's when I was. Yeah, it's not happening. I'm not booking any flights. Like I'm just closing this app. Like whatever. Yeah, I mean that was yeah that was the ultimate like tease diffused. I was like, all right, well I can, I can go back to work. Uh, I basically got no work done. I was in my office just on Twitter the entire day. I was like, I don't think you were alone. NCAA tournament and baseball. I was like, what am I doing? I can't, that was my least productive day. Probably since like, like a Christmas Eve type thing. No one works on Christmas Eve. Right. But, uh, and then it wasn't unanimous either by the player reps, uh, the team reps, I should say. Uh, I forget the exact number, but I believe there was a handful that uh, that voted against the the CBA as yeah, well. Yeah, um, the Mets, the Yankees, a couple other generally big market teams. Um, I think the Cardinals as well, which was interesting. Yeah. So, but but that's that's how these things work, and you know you don't have to be like a a labor lawyer to know that like the big difference between in this case owners and players is that players seek short-term stuff, owners seek long-term stuff, but I do believe the players were able to get a decent amount of um, of short- and long-term gains. So overall, I thought it was a really good thing. It definitely, I, I, I like that lean you had earlier about maybe this ends up in the end being great for the game. As like terrible as it is, or as it was in the moment, I was just, I was just telling, um, I was telling my fiance yesterday, I was like, you know, my whole sense is thrown off now in terms of like, I associate certain things on the calendar with certain interests I have. So March Madness, you know, and like, you know, obviously the whole NFL season, summer baseball, and then February spring training. And so since the lockout, not when it started, because it started last calendar year, but since we didn't have spring training, I was like, I don't. I was like, oh my god, it's conference tournament time. Like, it, it caught me completely by surprise because I don't have that usual flow. And, and now we're going to get that, like you said, condensed version. I did have to laugh, though, about the, uh, we're going to still play 162 games. <laughs> oh, really? After two, I'm serious this time, we're not going to play 162 games. Uh. It's impossible. We can't do it. And then it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna be able to do it. The season's not really gonna go much longer, and <laughs> we're like, the World Ridiculous. Series is gonna be on time. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, just stupid. Shows you how much of this was stupid. A lot of a lot of eye wash from both sides. Uh, another point about like the demise, I, like social media changes so much, and I know not everyone is on social media, but we talk about baseball struggling to cater to the youths. Um, there was no social media in 1994. I think maybe that changes how the, the strike, the lockout is perceived. Like, again, I don't know that baseball has ever been a bigger deal on social media than it was last week. Um, will that galvanize younger people around the game? I don't know. But I think Major League Baseball was in front of younger people's faces on social media more than it has been 
in a long time. I think people are able to rally and get excited together in a way that they couldn't in 1994 and, or 95. Um, so will, will this actually be damaging to the game? I mean, it's tough to say, but I don't know. It's just interesting how the world has changed. I think uh, the reaction is different than it would have been, you know, in, in a couple of decades ago. Well, no doubt. I mean, there's, you didn't know what Alan Trammell was doing in the off season and right. 94, you know what I mean? Yeah. You had no idea about these guys, and so you just kind of read the newspaper and get more or less a baseline assessment of everything. If that writer tends to like team over players, then that's the only thing you get. You, you didn't have as many options. So, yeah, that that's a good point, and it, it could should go to show what baseball needs to do, marking it starts, but we don't have to talk about that. Um, I did want to go into the, the playoff a little bit because – uh, you know, I'm a lifelong baseball fan. I don't know if I don't know if you'd call me a baseball purist. I'm I'm more progressive than that in thought, but there are certain like old-fashioned ideas with baseball that I tend to to lean into. One of them is not this though. So, anytime playoffs get expanded, you get a lot of the old guard that doesn't really like it because, you know, the regular season should mean something and and, and I get that. I, I I get that notion a lot. But I've never really been anti-expansion of playoffs. Like, to me, it makes sense for both sides. And I get the drawback from the players because they didn't want, you know, owners, front offices to maybe not spend as much because it's easier to get the playoffs. But we'll, we'll set that aside. You get more fan bases engaged uh, on a yearly basis. This completely is going to change the trade deadline. Um, so trade deadline time should be a lot of fun this year. And I don't know, like get some, get more teams into the dance and it's a better TV product and you're on more nights, you know, you can dominate the news cycle a little bit better. I'm, I feel like I'm fair in my assessment that I'm pro expansion of playoffs, not just because the Tigers are like a team that could kind of slither in there if things go right in the, in the short term. But I see basically a lot of Yankee fans that I deal with who are of a certain age. They hate expansion of playoffs because, you know, they always figured they'd be there anyway, to be honest. But I always I look at it as a good thing overall. The 12-team playoff in this format, how does it land for you? There are a lot of things in baseball where it's easy to fall into the purest line of thought. I think when expanded playoffs were first being discussed in like 2020, I was like, no, that's stupid because I... I always compare it to the NBA playoffs that are long and take forever and it generally feels like a, you can kind of pencil in who's going to be in the conference finals and like the first two rounds are just hard to hard to feel like they matter sometimes. Um, but I don't know. Baseball is a different game. Like I think the playoffs in themselves can be more interesting than the first round of NBA playoffs. I think there are good teams. The Blue Jays last year being a great example that can now get into the playoffs I think 12 is a pretty good number. It's not 16. You're not really going to have sub-500 teams in a 12-team playoff. But you expand the field a little bit. And the more I started thinking about this throughout the course of these negotiations, I'm just not sold on the idea that that would have made the game less competitive or teams spend less. Like I think this keeps more teams in it longer. I think if you are 
expecting to win 78 games, but you feel like, you know, another player could get you 82 wins, you know, maybe you're more incentivized to do that because you could get into the playoffs. I think it keeps the regular season. There's, there are too many teams, one of the flaws in the 162-game season, so many teams are out of it by July. Will you expand the playoffs by two spots? It's going to keep some fan bases interested, maybe keep some gate receipts a little higher in August, maybe even early September. Um, in some ways, I think it's going to make the game more interesting. So again, the more I've thought about it, I'm like, we were really opposed to this. Why? Also, we went like how many years with just having a World Series, like not even actual playoffs, <laughs> like kind of crazy. Up until 68, baby. Kind of crazy that like that was a thing, you know, I'm sure... I haven't read the news clips, but I'm sure back then people, oh, you're going to have these playoffs? Like, what's the point of the regular season? You're going to have, you know, four teams play each other? This is ridiculous. Uh, it's all worked out okay. Playoffs are what we live for. I think expanded playoffs will work out just fine. And again, like, I, I'm i on record as saying that if I were to, in one word, say what baseball's problem is, it's urgency. There's not yeah. a whole lot of urgency this season so long. Uh, sometimes, like, you could talk your way into the fact that there are more teams in, 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 that will qualify for the playoffs. Maybe that lessens urgency. But I would probably counter by right. saying no, because there's going to be more that are going to go for it. Not to not to mention how much money you make if your team makes the postseason. Um, like a you know like the trade deadline will be, as I said before, will be amazing to watch this year. Um, I think it creates more urgency because I think owners are going to be maybe less uh patient and so front offices are gonna have to make some moves in order you know probably not doing five-year rebuilds like the I, I think one of the athletic articles and i wish i remember who wrote it said that this and the combination of the draft lottery it's like we're not doing the 12 the 15 astros anymore yeah. it's just not a thing like we're not we're not gonna have that and if Tigers fans don't need any reminders of this, but if, you know, things are really dark in September, <laughs> it's not it's not fun to watch the game, but if you, you still have a shot, yeah, yeah it's maybe a lot more our perspectives fun. are skewed because we're going to be at ground zero of, of this thing this year. I mean, I think in a normal season you're like, okay, the Tigers can be pretty competitive, but everything would have to go right for them to really get in the playoffs. Expanded, it's like in theory, man, they could be right on the edge. Teams like the Tigers, the Mariners, these up-and-coming teams that, you know, are going to win probably 80-some-odd some games, probably wouldn't make a traditional playoff. You expand it by two more teams, and it's like, it's just easy to see. It's easy to see this, keeping the Tigers right in the thick of it. September could get very interesting. Obviously, that's um, super far out. We don't know how this season will go, how health will hold up. But I think the, the the Tigers are going to be a huge piece of this 12-team playoff conversation, um, which is going to lead me to another point here in a bit when we start talking about the Detroit Tigers. Well, we can do it now. I mean, that's a... a let's do it. Okay, well, let's go right into it because I'm, I'm a little bit fired up about this. It seems... I mean, I texted you when the news was coming down. I was like, man, I, the Tigers are probably going to have a new starting pitcher by the morning. And it's now Sunday, and I also texted you. They'll probably sign someone after we <laughs> record the podcast, so that's that's probably still bound to happen. We can scrap all this, uh, but they haven't signed anybody. They signed a uh, a, a right-handed relief pitcher on a minors deal, 
and a guy who's good against lefties. So, like, does that... Anyway, it seems like the interest in acquiring a fifth starter has waned. In some ways, I don't hate it because I'm like, you know, it's uh, the market's kind of thin. These pitchers are getting some pretty big deals. We saw Carlos Rodon get, uh, what, $44 million over two years. Set the market pretty high. Are any of these, you know, Tyler Anderson, Michael Pineda, like are any of these guys actually better than Tyler Alexander? So I've, I've been on the record being kind of a stand for Tyler Alexander. Like, I think he can be a pretty good fifth start. But I think when you look at it, what the Tigers lose by not adding a fifth starter, number one, in addition to the depth, it really hurts your bullpen. Because then you don't have Tyler Alexander in the bullpen. I think perhaps more important than the Tigers signing a starter is going to be adding a quality reliever. Andrew Chafin, Colin McHugh. I mean, I think that type of signing would really take this Tigers pin to the next level. If you look at the Fangraphs projections, it is not bullish on the Tigers pin. Doesn't expect great years from guys like Gregory Soto, Alex Lang, Kyle Funkhauser. I think those guys are probably better than just what some of the you know statistical projections might suggest. But there's reason to believe that maybe we shouldn't be so comfortable in this bullpen. You start looking at the depth in the organization. It's like Elvin Rodriguez, Miguel Del Pozo, Alex Fiedo, Joey Wentz, a lot of guys who are either young or unproven or coming off injuries or all of the above right there. Um, and it's like, you're a team that could be on the precipice of the playoffs and you don't want to add one more guy. Uh, when I know there, there are people in the organization who figured the Tigers would make a couple more moves post lockout. And right now we're in a space where it seems like they're being uh, pretty conservative after earlier in the offseason being one of the absolute aggressors in the market. Um, yeah, they didn't, you know, they went with Baez over Correa. We've talked about that at length. That's, that, that is what it is. I've always said these complimentary, these finishing touches are going to matter. You are looking at a team where one, two, three games could be the difference between a postseason appearance and not a postseason appearance. And so I think it would be a shame if the Tigers don't make at least a notable bullpen addition or at least a fifth starter. doesn't sound like they're going to add a position player. That's fine. I, I still worry about the lineup, but I think like one more quality pitcher can make uh, a pretty big difference. I think Tyler Alexander could hold his own as a fifth starter, but I think your entire staff as a whole is worse when he's your fifth starter. And then you're kind of one man, uh, you know, one man down in the bullpen. So that's my take. I believe the Tigers should make another move. I don't know if it's going to happen. Things have been rather quiet, and all I really know is that they have not been super aggressive. They are in contact with people. They've reached out to pitchers. Um, and one thing maybe we're forgetting, yeah, Matthew Boyd maybe could reunite with the Tigers and be ready by June, July. That uh, That's actually not so bad. Um, but overall, I think it surprised me that we're not already talking about new signings. Yeah, well, and to your point about the fifth starter and the bullpen addition, you're it's the same thing if you add a fifth starter. If you add a fifth starter, your bullpen gets bolstered right. by, by Tyler Alexander. Right. But I will say it hasn't been as loud of a – it hasn't really been – I wouldn't call it a frenzy overall in baseball up until this point not not really like we thought yeah we're 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 recording this on sunday and the the twins added sunny gray um uh from uh from the reds for minor leaguers francis pagrero and 
I'm trying to read it right now. Oh, and and Francis Bigero, who's going from the Reds to the Twins for uh, Chase Petty, who was a uh, recent first round pick. So there is some moves. The Rangers traded uh, one of their utility guys for a catcher. Um, but can we talk about how I continue to hate everything the Rangers do? <laughs> we don't have spent, to spend time on. It. I spend, just spend a minute on it. Spend a minute on it because they're the team that spent. No, like, I just I, I like I like their infield with. I'm terrible at pronouncing his name, Kiner Izzy, as they call him in Texas. <laughs> you know, you have Seeger and Simeon and Izzy. Like, that's a really good infield. And then it's like, oh, we're going to trade this promising young infielder who we've kind of been touting as one of our building blocks, and we're going to trade him for a catcher. And yeah, Mitch Garver's a really good catcher, and he, he has a bat, and he gets on base. But I'm like, you're trading young talent for a catcher who I – am I right that he only has two years of team control? Like – I continue to feel like they're just building a, trying to build a mansion on a, you know, on a swampy foundation. I just don't like it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong and they're going to have a great year and win the World Series. But from the outside, I don't like it. Yeah. Well, when it went down, I was with some Rangers fans. They didn't really understand it. Uh, Petty, who's going from the Twins to the uh, Reds, he was drafted this past year in the first round. He's a high school pitcher, so uh, won't be, won't know if he's any good for, for, for a while. Just, for whatever it is worth. But, you know, Chris Bryant as a recording, unsigned. Yeah. Carlos Correa as a recording. They did give up a first-round pick. I was, I, was in, I was in favor of the Tigers trying to explore trade options. Sonny Gray was probably the name I liked the most. Um, I think there's a combination of kind of mid-level talent in the organization they could have maybe offered up. Uh, but they weren't going to be willing to trade probably anyone they've drafted in the first round. They definitely damn sure we're going to trade Jackson Job or anything of that magnitude. And I think that's smart. You don't want to part with um, young talent. So you see the Reds get a first round pick. I don't know much about this kid or how good he is, but um, seems like a respectable offer, probably more than the Tigers would have uh, realistically been willing to give. So it checks out. It adds up. Well, we can transition. Would you have traded Ty Madden? My perception of Ty Madden is skewed right now because I just saw him throw like a live BP and a like one inning in a scrimmage and I thought he looked really bad, but that's that's not enough of a sample to actually judge him <laughs> on. But would I trade Ty Madden for Sonny Gray? You know what? Yeah, I would because well, absolute greatest case scenario, Ty Madden becomes Sonny Gray. Like he's probably not going to be as good as Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray is a really good pitcher. Uh, yeah, Gray, you're going to get him for like two years, uh, but you're trying to make the playoffs here. Like, yeah, I would have, I would have traded like Ty Madden and, some hitter for you know, like Das Cameron for Sonny Gray, but you know, would the would the Reds have liked that? I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, well, uh, spring training invites. Uh, Madden was among them. Uh, we don't, I'm not going to list all these names, but a lot of them are the usual guys that that we've talked about, read about for yeah. the past year or more, um, including several pitchers from from last year's uh, uh, draft. So now that it's here, Cody, now that you've talked to uh, A.J. Hinch and you've talked to some players and you've seen him out on the field just, you know, doing some doing some drills or whatever, do you have, and I know it's only one day, so everybody keep that in mind for, you know, the next time we talk, but you got a vibe sense. You got a vibe sense of the Tigers right now because it should be as positive and enthusiastic as it's been 
since you've been on the beat and several years before that as well, probably since we were in college. Oh, for sure. <laughs> uh, no, you can feel it. You can feel, I think the players especially are there to win. I mean, Miguel Cabrera was in like the best spirits. I mean, he's, he's Miggy, you know, sometimes he's very happy. Sometimes he's not, but he was uh, quite jovial today. Didn't even talk about himself or being in the best shape of his life or any of that. He was just talking about like Javi Baez and Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green. He's saying, I don't know how much I want to play first because we want Torkelson in the lineup. Like Miguel Cabrera, who always talks about how badly he wants to be in the field, said that. Uh, Robbie Grossman was, you know, talking um, about winning. I think just the presence of Javi Baez and his bright orange cleats, like, is a difference maker. AJ Hinch said, I'm not going to declare this a playoff team, but, you know, his expectation is win today's game and, uh, AJ, if he's being honest, definitely has a long-term vision, and that probably includes making the playoffs this year. I think there's a lot of belief in this clubhouse. There's a lot of energy. All the more why I, I hope the front office is able to capitalize that, capitalize on that, and add at least one more, um, you know, kind of minor finishing piece. But yeah, a good vibe. This is going to be a really fun spring. Uh, Twerking green, man. They're already the the um, the talk of camp. I think it's kind of telling how Robbie Grossman's talking about him. Like these older players aren't like, Oh, we don't want these younger guys coming in here to take our jobs. They're like, no, like we want them on the roster because we know they're really good and we want to win games. I think that in itself is pretty telling. So when, when those early off season moves were going on pre lockout, we talked a little bit about roster structure, but now we yeah. can expand on it a little bit. Just on paper, I do like the balance that that the roster seems to have. So you you've got those veterans that you just yeah, you just mentioned, and there's a couple more like uh, yeah, we can call Jamer a veteran now. You know, it's not season, but you know he's, he's a veteran for this team. He's uh, a veteran. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Scope. Um, there's a good amount of dudes that have some miles. Some dudes that are still in the proving themselves category. That would be the Akil Badus of the world. To a certain extent, you know, you kind of throw Derek Hill in there. You know, can can you last? You know, now that you've had a little bit of a, of a stay, can you last? And you got Baez, who's out there, got to prove, like, his worth. And I'm sure, like, two years ago, he didn't think he was getting anything less than a number that started with a two. Yeah. You know? For sure. So, so, so that's a factor, and... You know, I don't know how much I want to read into it, but the enthusiastic, positive side of me wants to believe that this could rejuvenate Miguel Cabrera a little bit, because you know, la- <laughs> I you know, I no, not even. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, what has he had to look forward to the past couple of years? Because last year was a, uh, you know, what it, what are we? And you know, he's still got the the three thousand hit thing that's out there, and. Uh, I don't know. Like, I just feel like I want, I, I would love to see like some peak engagement, Miguel Cabrera. Well, I not, I'm not saying like, are absolutely, I think they were lifted last year. Like I just being around Miguel, I mean, haven't been in the clubhouse the last two years because of COVID, but like he seems to generally just be in better spirits and the way he's talked the last two years, even more so today, like he, 
never really fully profiled as like, oh, this veteran mentor. And now he kind of really is starting to take that role. And I think he realizes it and he talks like it more. Like uh, he has more incentive to come to the ballpark. I don't know that that's going to make him that much of a better hitter. Like I think as a, as a player, he is what he is. He can still make good contact and be sort of productive in his own way, but he's, he doesn't have the power he once did. And for a guy who's first base DH only, uh, going to be hard to be worth positive war, but you're right. Like I, I think like, emotionally it, it absolutely has a is a positive it's, it's worth something yeah like i don't i don't i don't know how much it's worth but it's worth something yeah. and that and it goes for basically everybody on that team like if you come into the season with like a substantial belief that like hey you know we can make a run at this you know not just like we can make a run no it's like we can make a run um i think that i think that does have some value um, and, and we can't not mention also in terms of moves and then veteran presence without talking about Tucker Barnhart. Um, I'm really curious over the next uh, month or so how, how you're able to, to see wh- what his presence means, uh, having a veteran catcher there. That uh, Interesting interesting point from A.J. Hinch today. A.J., obviously a former catcher. Um, we're going to obsess over pitching a lot in this spring training. And, oh, can we get the pitchers ramped up, blah, blah, blah. He's like, it's kind of a, a quick ramp up for catchers too, because you want Barnhart to catch every pitcher on the roster, but you only have a limited amount of spring training games. You're going to have to kind True. of mix and match. Like it's going to be tougher for him to get to know the pitchers and vice versa. Um, overall, probably good to have a veteran dude like Barnhart in the catching role versus say last year, if you're, I guess they had Wilson Ramos last year, but you know, if it were Jake Rogers and Grayson Griner and it's like, that would be a tougher adjustment. Here you have a Barnard, a guy who knows how to handle pitchers of all varieties. Uh, but yeah, going to be an interesting kind of build up for him too to get to know a whole new pitching staff on the fly. And I'm I'm, I'm going to be very curious as well as we kind of project spring training a little bit here for a couple of minutes. Uh, how Casey Mize carries himself. Uh, last year was, I don't know if I really want to say turning point. Like that's not really the right term, but it was, it was not quite. He put his foot down and said, "Yes, like I am the guy that I was drafted, or I am on the way to being the guy that I was drafted to be." Uh, uh, I was reading an article that called him like a disappointment uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. I was like, shout I, out. I was like, clearly didn't actually watch like games last year. You just looked yeah, at his I was like, I don't really ERA, know if I, I go that far. Uh, I think this year has the chance to be the Mize turning point. Like, he's got a lot to prove. We've talked about the strikeouts. Like, his underlying metrics actually aren't good. I'm hoping to dive in and, and talk to AJ a little bit about that in the coming days. Um, but this has a chance to be, like, I don't know. Last year he did prove he can be, like, a solid big league pitcher. This year he has a chance to prove, okay, I'm, like, an all-star caliber pitcher. I can be a quote-unquote ace. I can be number one overall pick, Casey Mize. Um, I don't know if that'll happen, but I guarantee him, he's already been talking like it. He was talking like it toward the end of last year. If you looked at a couple interviews he's done this offseason, I think he's going to come into spring uh, carrying himself. Well, okay, so that was actually something as, you know, if I could, Cody, give you an assignment as if you, you know, need people to tell you what to write about or anything. But if I could give you an assignment, it would be, 
what how is he carrying himself and the reason i say that is because sometimes in sports you kind of need to say goodbye to force an elevation of another player this happens uh in in all uh professional sports so as much as we love matthew boyd the guy and obviously good pitcher you know on the field as long as he's on the team that's his staff even if he even if he wasn't gonna be the opening day starter whatever that's his staff now he's gone so who's gonna kind of elevate and and be like this is my staff kind of feels like it ought to be mice and from everything that you've told me about him i've read about him heard him in interviews this is an opportunity that he's suited for so that's that's the big thing because sometimes you know that is an addition by subtraction a little bit you gain a new leader by you know not bringing back a guy even if you like him even if he is still good and i know the injury was a big part of it but you know like i could argue that would have been a thing either way so that's something i'm really curious about who kind of steps in and makes it this is my staff because you know you're looking at you know the starting pitchers like Eduardo Rodriguez could be that guy, but I don't know if he if, since he's new to he's the team. He's also new to the club. Like he's yeah, Mize is kind of already in this leadership role, and now he just has to elevate it. Like Eduardo, he's going to be the most experienced starter, but um, you know still has adjustments of his own to make. He could be the best performer, but I think Mize is arguably already the emotional leader of the pitching staff and that should only continue um, especially if he pitches well this season any position battles that really draw your eye more than some other storylines uh what 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 is what should we be paying close attention to what will you be paying close attention to as uh as spring training is a full go I think the infield or really the general construction of the, the positional side of things is interesting because obviously the Tigers are considering carrying three catchers. Uh, but I, it seems like that's very contingent on what happens with Spencer Torkelson. Like really, I think Torkelson himself is kind of the the cog which you know most of these roster decisions are going to revolve around because if he's on the roster... That means Scope is playing second. That might bump like a Willie Castro type guy off the roster, or you keep that guy on, Isak Paredes, whoever it may be, and maybe you don't carry Dustin Garneau. Um, and then maybe Eric Haas you don't really need at first base, so Haas is playing more catcher and maybe a little left field. AJ today you know, said he didn't uh, doesn't really foresee carrying five true outfielders. You know, He thinks that limits the roster construction too much. Um, so then probably Derek Hill, Victor Reyes, Daz Cameron going to be competing for your fourth outfield spot. I read one article that kind of questioned Akil Badu. I feel like, um, yeah, he still has development, but man, like, I think, I think Akil's earned like a roster spot, um, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I think, I think like there are going to be a lot of dominoes that fall once we figure out what's going to happen with Torkelson. And I don't know. I, I again, I think it's interesting that even the the other players are like, yeah, we want Torkin Green on the roster. Like if they're saying that, like you really, you really gonna not carry these guys? And again, Tork might be a little bit of a different case than Riley Green. 
but uh, everything seems to be tied to that, and the roster could be configured a few different ways uh, depending on what happens there. How safe and or secure coming into this is a guy... I'll give you two names, Willie Castro and Isak Paredes. You can answer that however however you wish. Yeah, neither of them are secure unless you're unless you're trying to be secure in Toledo. Um, <laughs> you know, Willie, I think we talked about it a few weeks ago. I don't know where he fits anymore. And obviously he is what he is defensively. He's really bad. There's still something in the bat. How much? Tough to tell. Probably something between 2020 Willie Castro and 2021 Willie Castro. Um, but he's also already had all these chances, and it's like, I think Harold Castro right now has the leg up to kind of be your utility infielder. So maybe you have room for another infield guy, depending on what happens with Torkelson, depending if you carry Garneau and move Haas around. And that could really be a battle. You know, I think Paredes and Willie Castro have to really scrap and claw to make the opening day roster. Um, if you're Willie Castro, it's just like, where where exactly are you going to play on the field? Second base seems like the one position where there's like room for, you know, someone to kind of become the backup or, or maybe even the starter if Scope ends up playing first. Uh, but also Willie's had his chances. Like, I think it's time for Isak to get one long look and kind of make a decision on what you actually think he is. Uh, but in order for him to get that look, look, he's going to have to earn it. So neither of those guys are secure. I think for Isak, it could be, um, I don't know. We sometimes like to paint everything as a make or break year, but it could be a make or break year for Isak. Like this is probably the year we figure out what he is in the organization. Um, and Willie Castro, like this is, he's, he's probably on his last legs at like proving he deserves more chances. Yeah. You know, as I'm looking at the uh, the 40 man and, and some of the uh, the minor league invites and you know obviously those minor leaguers have been there now for you know what was it three weeks something like that like yeah almost a month a month we probably don't have an answer to this now but I'm gonna be very curious how much having mini camp for Torque and Green but. We're kind of slotting green ahead of Torque, obviously, but you know Torque specifically. Uh, how much is that going to give him a leg up on the competition? Like because because we we've talked a lot about how this lockout and COVID and stuff has kind of negatively impacted usual processes of development. And we you began this podcast by talking about something that might end up being a good thing, even though it looked kind of bad in the moment. Could this be Torx's like, at, you know, this could have worked out better where he could kind of get some extra work in. Literally extra work because he was the only one, that, <laughs> him and a couple other guys, the only ones that are allowed to work out <laughs> formally for the team uh, while the lockout was on. Could this be the thing that we look back and say, wow, that was actually, didn't realize in the moment, but that was actually something that greatly benefited his development. Yeah, uh- what did you talk about last week, Kieran? It's like if you're twerking mm-hmm. green, now we're just thinking Toledo. That didn't that well, didn't age you well. Can tear up that plan and throw it out the window because the uh, no everything's been flipped on its head, and now their stuff has been wheeled over to the big league clubhouse. And if I'm twerking green, I'm thinking, 
okay, everything's Detroit, and so I'm told otherwise. And I, I do think that's kind of got to be the mindset now. The timing has worked out very well. A.J. Hinch said it. Like, if you're a young guy trying to prove something, there's probably a, a good chance. Like, they're ramped up. They've been facing live pitching. They should be ahead of the competition. Um, one little note, Torkelson's been, like, in when just – he's been kind of a workhorse, and maybe it's, like, a lack of first baseman in camp, but I don't know. He's just on every drill, like – he was the only dude taking throws at first today um, with the big league club. Like, just he always seems to be out on the field. Like, he's uh, he's drawn some eyeballs just with like the way he is working on the little things, doing the little things, not taking any reps off. Uh, for a one-one pick, he's not carrying himself like a prima donna at all, and and I think AJ Hinch will like that. Any other? Uh preview talking points uh before we get to the chronicles um i think that covers it i think we'll be back in a week and we'll know a lot more and we can evaluate some of these players and get a better sense for where things are i think to conclude this week's pod we should commemorate uh spring break march madness time of year with just another all-time college (laughs) yeah um i want to start out this story by going back a little bit because I don't know I'm I'm a fair guy all right so uh, this story is not gonna make it's not gonna make the other parties look very good so I need to kind of is it fair to constantly uh, talk bad about your ex <laughs> on a podcast with <laughs> you know so, I think it's fair I think it's I think it's totally fair after what she put you through yeah so yeah and if you don't feel that way maybe you will feel this way after after this story um, but I just want to say like this girl was like my first like real girlfriend you know and so there's a lot of learning involved in that and I think everybody can you know relate to that and and one of the things where I had to learn like just kind of how to carry your it's such a weird thing like how do you carry yourself with a girlfriend or whatever um, early in the fall semester, uh, I had, like, she wanted to go hang out with her girlfriends or whatever, and I was like, okay, cool. So, me and, me and Murphy, uh, you unfortunately were not 21 at the time, me and Murphy just ended up going to Outlaws, the country bar, because it was right next to our house, and, you know, we were hanging out, whatever, and then in comes, uh, in comes my girlfriend with her, a uh, couple of her girlfriends, and, and I was like, oh, cool, you know, she's here, you know, and, uh, I was thinking, even though it was like they were out together, I sort of thought like, well, we're in the same place. Maybe we'll, you know, congregate a little bit. And it w- I mean, you would think that would make sense. <laughs> so, and, and, but it didn't really happen. Like she was, it was almost like I wasn't there. And so like, eventually she came up to me and she goes, you know, like, Oh, how are you doing? You having a good night? And I was like, yeah, it's awesome being ignored by your girlfriend. <laughs> That's what I said. And you know. that did not go over well. Uh, and so I later admitted that I was a jackass because I was. Uh, so that's just an example of something dumb I did. All right. So I, I just wanted to set the tone that it's not like, you know, I just, I just, I felt like that was important to kind of mention. Like a lot of this stuff is me learning on the fly. You know, life is a learning lab. You know, you just learn on the fly with a lot of this stuff, you know. So fast forward to spring break or around spring break time. So. I want to say this was late February. Uh, so this is post uh, Valentine's Day, <laughs> which you know, hopefully y'all remember that story. 
um, you and me and uh, my girlfriend and like our other like really uh, really close friend at the time uh, were out at the Penny, and at that time we were introduced like we this one person was in what I guess you would call an open relationship. Uh, no, hold, hold, oh. hold on, we're forgetting the. Can I go back? Go ahead, go I, ahead. I gotta take this story over. Someone was like, these stories are just like Kieran telling the story and you chiming in with like other funny details. And I was like, yeah, like that's how, that's just how it is. But I'm gonna take over for that. Okay. The whole build up, okay. We were planning with these people like some kind of spring break trip. It was gonna be like pretty much all of our like last, you know, college spring break. I never really had like a college spring break. I usually worked and like covered sports every spring break, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and I had been really stressed, you know, being editor in chief of the newspaper, worrying about all this stuff. And we talked about going to Austin and South by Southwest or maybe New Orleans. And I was like, oh, like, is this going to happen? Like, we're all in college. Can we even afford a trip? Like, I don't know. Start kind of crunching the numbers. I'm like, yeah, I think I can go. And I think you were down. And, and you know, these two, uh, girls eventually said, oh, we're in, we're going to New Orleans. But me, could argue, being a jackass, or you just say I knew what I was talking about, I was like, no, you're not. Because I knew that they, I just knew, I just knew. And they were like, yeah, we are. And they got really mad that, not like really mad, but they were like upset by the fact I didn't believe right. that we were actually going to plan this trip to New Orleans. And sure enough, like week before spring break comes around and it's like, oh yeah, we can't go to New Orleans. Turns out we can't afford it. So that put me in a bad mood. I was upset. Um, probably let it carry over a little too long. I had like a limey or two at the Copper Penny in Stillwater. Probably didn't help like the way I was processing my emotions. And that leads us to this scene uh, where with this woman who was in an open relationship at the time. It should also be noted that Cody then and now is was a hopeless romantic is always you know Absolutely. you know just always looking at you know wanting to have like a meaningful you know relationship you know and uh so that's important to kind of keep in mind so the four of us are hanging out and it's it's not a very big bar so it gets crowded pretty quickly and we, we have our drinks and we have them be standing by the doors that are the bathrooms and the two girls go into uh into the bathroom and so you and i are talking and at that time we had witnessed the girl that was not my girlfriend the other one like she was upset because some guy that she liked didn't like her back and or wouldn't hook up with her or something like that and so we were just kind of chatting about it we didn't have any like file tones or anything we just happened to be talking about it and i was like well cody i mean i think as someone like you who like really would like a substantial relationship she's been with this guy for five years you know it probably upsets you that she's sort of like taking that aspect of the human experience for granted and you agreed you said yeah and we just kind of kept talking like i didn't think it was anything really that controversial that statement 
And the girls come out of the bathroom, and the one that is not my girlfriend is like, it's like crying. And I was just like, I didn't really know what was going on. They leave. I try to like text, you know, my girlfriend, and she's not kind of. Yeah, and I, and I said something, you know, I was kind of trying to console her, talk her down, and and you know. Then I, I probably made like a jackass comment and I said something to the effect of like, I don't know why you're doing all this when you have a boyfriend. Yeah. Um, I said something like that. Um, obviously upset her, you know, and, and, and she left the bar. Yeah. And so I'm trying to text my... Gotta own that. Yeah. Gotta own that. I'll own it. Yeah. Probably shouldn't have said that. Yeah. So it gets to closing time. You and I go over to my house. We're hanging out. And I still am not really getting like much communication from my girlfriend and eventually, <laughs> I always remember, I was standing up, we were in the living room, I was standing up, you were on the couch, and uh, obviously we had some drinks in us, but, you know, we were in control, and uh, and I was like, oh, apparently my girlfriend is upset at me for, like, partaking in this conversation, and you were like, what? And I think you, like, had, like, a book or something in your hand, you kind of, like, threw it against the couch, like... <laughs> Are you effing serious? Like, what the f? You know, <laughs> it's it's quite a scene. I still remember it vividly. Um, so so yeah, that uh, that preceded this next one. Uh, this next part of the story, where you out of you're like, well, if we're not gonna have a plan, I'm gonna go home. So you went home to Amarillo for you know half the week or you know whatever. I stayed, I was doing some work, I was hanging out, you know, it's NCAA tournament time, you know, my family lives in New York at the time, so I was like, yeah, I'll stay, hang out, and uh, so did so did those girls, including my girlfriend, so uh, on, I want to say like a Thursday of spring break, like a Thursday night, Thursday or Friday night, they are having some girl wine time or whatever and so i'm like all right well i'm just gonna you know watch some sports hang out there's no like my house is empty like there's no none of my roommates are there but i was like i'm just gonna hang out and since i'm not really doing anything there's not really anybody like here yet i was like well i'll just go to bed early i think i went to bed at like you know midnight or something and that's early in college that's early in college and so i uh I was like, all right, well, I'm probably going to, I text my girlfriend, I was like, yeah, I'm probably going to go to bed, y'all have fun, you know, if you end up meeting me for anything or whatever, you know, let me know, you know, and so, I wake up at like 2.30-ish to like a lot, like our phone buzzing, like a lot of texts, and it's just like a bunch of like, hey, so we're going to like go to, to Tulsa, hey, uh, we're going to try to use the other girl her miles to see if we can fly somewhere like her credit card miles to see if we could fly somewhere can you take care of lola which was her dog and then like it's like all these things and, and then and then that last text was uh keys are in the mailbox and that's what i wake up to and so so i'm like uh okay so i getting my wits about me and uh i drive over to like her house where she lived which uh no one you know none of her roommates were there either and sure enough 
the keys to the house are in the mailbox. So I go in there and I let Lola go outside or whatever because she had been cooped up most of that day because obviously this was not planned. And the thing about this dog was a very sweet dog. But the thing about this dog was it was a stray that she had taken in, um, which is obviously a great thing to do, but it's not... It was the opposite of a disciplined dog. Once that dog was outside, that dog was like a little shih tzu thing, like ran like a rabbit. Like you cannot, there's no way you're going to corral it or anything. Once that dog was outside, it was not coming in unless it wanted to come in. So it's also in the wee hours of the morning. It's in like a neighborhood that's not like old, like college kids or whatever. They have this thing called quiet hours, you know, and. Uh, that does also, it includes 3.30 in the morning, and so this dog was running around for three hours, and I'll come in until 5, so I had to stay up until 5 to make sure it could come in, uh, not even knowing, like, assuming that the two girls are, like, on an airplane or something, I'm, like, watching, I think I watched, like, Futurama, I was, like, watching Futurama in her bed, like, Anytime the dog would bark, I would go outside and try to tell it shush or see if it want you know, oh, Lola, you want to come inside? You want to come inside? No. And so I did that for around two or three hours. And then I, Lola finally wanted to come inside. Then then I go to sleep, wake up at like 11. Um, and come to find out that they did not get on a plane. They went to Tulsa decide figured out at the airport that they didn't have enough miles to go anywhere uh substantial like that you would want like a spring break weekend and stayed the night at you know one of their places in Tulsa because they're both from that general area went to a waffle house where some guy I think was either singing to them and it's like in the wee hours in the morning like singing to them or like drew a picture of them on a napkin or something weird like that included his phone number and that was it that's all that happened everything was hunky-dory and i'm over here like uh this was not how i envisioned my night going and uh i would sort of it, it would make me feel better if there was some sort of like acknowledgement of what a like a better term like kind of shitty way to go about doing this and didn't really receive any and i called you like as like because you were driving that you know back up to stillwater and i called you and i i explained what happened and you were just like floored (laughs) i mean i was livid there were these girls who we had like more or less planned or agreed to go on a spring break trip with and i knew that they were just kind of flaky and i was like you're not gonna go and they got mad at me for saying that. And then a few days before spring break, oh yeah, we can't go on this trip. And then they get mad. We get in a, like an argument at the bar. And then a few days later, Kieran calls. Oh yeah, my girlfriend left in the middle of the night. They got uh, wine drunk and went to the <laughs> airport and just thought they would book a flight and go on a spring break trip. I think they're wanting to go to a beach in Florida yeah. without us. <laughs> And that was just all supposed to be okay. That was all just supposed to be fine. Also, Kieran, uh, please take care of the dog. Yeah. <laughs> Keys are in the mailbox. 
Because the thing is, couldn't say anything. Couldn't say anything. We were we were already both like in trouble. You know, couldn't say anything. It was definitely yeah. It was definitely one of those things that it's like if you if you made a stink about it, it would be immediately turned into some sort of like. You know, I'm just gonna say it. It would have been before we used the term. It would have been called toxic masculinity. Is what it would have been called. Yes. And so, and so that was how. Uh, that was how my spring break was in your last spring bake, baby. <laughs> it was wild, just not in the way you envisioned. I thought one day I'd say it on a podcast, but I uh, thought it would have been a different story. <laughs> so, so yeah, I hope I hope people had better spring breaks than I did that time. <laughs> You're right. In the interest of fairness, you know, we're not perfect all the way throughout that story either, but uh, that was just not fun. That was yeah. not like a fun phone conversation. It was not a fun spring break at all. It was not considerate, and I <laughs> definitely would never have done that. Like, that's just the flat out No, just, <laughs> no. I just, no, never, I just never would have done that, but it was A-okay, and then, you know, that relationship... Uh, I mean, a month later, she broke up with me, and then we got back together, and then she broke up with me again a couple of months later. So that thing and ran its course. put together Valentine's Day and spring break and breaking up. Are we surprised this relationship <laughs> ended shortly thereafter? <laughs> yeah, when you really look back in hindsight, uh, all checks out. Well, you know, this podcast lasted longer than that relationship, so... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad <laughs> it officially has now. We are past the one year mark, baby. Yes. Wow, I love it. One year mark, and uh, on that note, want to thank everybody for for the kind words uh, said on on Twitter, and everyone who continues to listen and say they enjoy, you know, what we do. Uh, it means a lot. Um, I'm gonna put this out here once, see if any, see if it catches on. Um, if you take a screenshot of a five-star review you give us and you dm cody or myself or turn the corner at turn corner pod he's at cody stavenhagen i'm at kieran underscore steckley screenshot five-star review dm it to us or i mean if you don't want to dm it you can just tag it uh you know tag one of us and we'll 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 give out a couple uh give out a couple barbecue sauces and you know, it's kind of one of the things we like. We like to talk about barbecue a lot on this pod, and we'll continue to do so now that the weather's getting warmer slowly in Michigan. But you know, it's nice here in Texas, and uh, and so we'll give out a couple of barbecue sauces that uh, that Cody and I uh, like as a little thank you to uh, to the listeners, to to the loyal listeners of this podcast, uh, because you know it's one of those things you don't have to, you don't have to listen, you know, but you choose to, and we appreciate it. Like it. it it means the world. So, at Cody David Hagen, at Kieran underscore Steckley, at Turn Corner Pod. One of them, you can tag or DM. Doesn't matter. Um, Cody and I both both love comedy. So if you if you say something funny, that might increase that, that might increase your chances. I'm not gonna say the best one. It's just maybe the one that just kind of catches our eye the best. So if you do that, we'll we'll send you uh, send you a little barbecue sauce from one of our favorite. Uh, barbecue store so uh anything else cody you want to say before you get get to writing no i think that covers it uh happy baseball season everybody looking forward to 
good things in year two of this podcast. Uh, probably good things to come from the 2022 Detroit Tigers as well. Mama, we made it. And it's so great to to see all the Twitter content. I know um, you got great stuff coming up. So make sure if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, you definitely need to be for the content Cody puts out on a regular basis. And he's uh, he doesn't have to go into his bag of tricks anymore. He just he just needs to write what what he sees, and so it's a <laughs> it must be a good feeling. And uh, and I know a lot of people enjoy your work, Cody. So oh, just wait. We got one more really weird story in the hopper, though. I don't know when it's gonna run, but we got we got at least one more weird off season story coming. Yeah. All right. All right. So there you go. There's a tease. Make sure you're an athletic subscriber so that you can you can read that. So we're gonna get out of here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Please subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends, tell your daddy, tell your mama. Um, you know, spread the word. We have a lot of fun doing this, and we thank you for listening. So, for Cody Stavenhagen, I am Kieran Steckley. Everybody, have a great baseball week. <laughs> <laughs>